Jesus Christ is our living hope. Amen? Amen. As we continue in this season after Easter, I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The last three weeks we were in the Gospel of John um, around the appearances that Jesus made after his resurrection and the ways in which he showed up and spoke to his disciples and, and reinstated Peter and reminded all of us by saying, what is that to you? You must follow me. These are the resurrection appearances. And now, for these next three weeks, we spend our time in 1 Corinthians 15, surrounding what the resurrection means as the church continued to live into the reality and live out of the gospel hope. And so, as we do so, today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, And your pew Bibles, and if you brought your study Bible with you, most Bibles break this up into three sections around the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of the dead, and the resurrection of the body. As we continue to figure out what does this mean that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so today, as we begin um, to, to follow the early church in Corinth, on how the Apostle Paul explained to them the resurrection and the significance of it. We pray for God's Holy Spirit to lead and guide our hearts as we spend time in the Word together. Will you pray with me? Jesus Christ, you are our living hope. And because of you, we know and have experienced your grace. Because of you, We can seek to live a life of love as you have first loved us. Because of you, your Holy Spirit was sent upon us to be our advocate, our counselor, and our guide. So Lord, be our counselor and guide today as we study your word together. May you move within our hearts, within the life of our congregation that we may live out this gospel hope, and that we may do so with faithfulness to you. Speak into our hearts, O Lord, for we, your servants, listen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles." And do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 
but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Picture with me, if you will, a big pond on a clear, still day. The water is calm. You could settle for a big mud puddle if you want, or really any cornfield in the Midwest right now would do. But if you can, for the sake of beauty and aesthetic purposes, picture a pond that you would love to just sit by the edge of on a calm, cool day. And then imagine that as there's no movement on the water, you took a rock and you threw it into the middle. And if you're a little bit skittish, you had a reaction to me throwing the rock. We're not going to stone anyone here today. What happens when the rock lands in the middle of that still, calm pond? Movement. There's a ripple effect. Now, one rock can only land in one place. And it hits that water at one place and at one singular point in time. It does not hit the entire pond. It does not hit every single shore. The rock lands in the middle of the pond after you throw it, and it lands at one point in time and space. But following the impact of the rock hitting the water, there is a ripple effect. And that ripple effect lasts longer than the singular event of the rock hitting the water. And it reaches further than the single impact of one rock. The ripple effect spreads. It has had an impact on the whole body of water. And that ripple effect continues through time. It continues through space to the very edge of the pond where every bit of the shore of that previously still calm water will have a splash to it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the rock hitting the water. It is the central and singular event by which we are called, by which the effect on the world begins. And it goes just as in a pond you go from the center where the rock hit the water to the very edge of the pond, we were called by Jesus in the words of the Great Commission and in the words before Christ's ascension to go and make disciples of all nations and to do this in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And this continues. For over 2,000 years, this work has continued from one Savior's death and resurrection that ripple effect continues through more time than that one weekend, that one day of resurrection. It continues. And for more than just one area of the world, it continues to the whole world. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news. 
The resurrection is the core of the gospel, and the intent of it is to spread, like the, like the ripple effect through a pond. This is good news. It's meant to spread. In fact, in some ways, you can't stop it from spreading, just as you can't throw a rock into a pond and then somehow stop the effect of the rock hitting the pond. It will continue. This is good news. And that word, the word that we use for good news or gospel, like in verse 2, by this gospel, by this good news, you are saved, that word is not original to Christians. It has become a synonym with Christian good news, meaning gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've made it a synonym. It has become that. But it was used differently before Jesus' death and resurrection. The, the literal Greek word is oiangelion. It sounds rather pretty, I think. And it is good news. It's a good word. But it also used to be used um, when a kingdom or one city-state against another would go out to war against a different one. And when they would fight, when they would have battle, when they would come back, after the battle was over, you'd send a messenger. If you lost, but your messenger still survived, your messenger would go back and tell you to either flee or fortify. But if you won, if your side won, your messenger would go, and once they could see the city gates and towers, they would yell, Oyangelion, Oyangelion, good news. And then, as the army returns, they would proclaim, Oyangelion, good news. But it's only good news if you won. As those processionals would come back, you would have your soldiers victorious and triumphant. You would have your leaders leading the processional. And you also would have conquered people, women and children who were enslaved, who had just seen their city fall. And as they marched into a city that was not their own to belong to people that were not their own, they would hear those words, Oyangelion, good news. It wouldn't be good news if you lost. I think that's why the Apostle Paul, after 14 chapters of addressing the church in Corinth, of, of things that they're not getting quite right, of ways that they need to, to rein themselves in, of practices that they need to adopt or be mindful of, after all of that, over 14 chapters, at chapter 15, there's a specific point to come together and remember what good news means and that it has to be good news for all people. It has to be good news for all people. And this good news, this gospel, is the gospel by which we are saved, that we hold firmly to so that we do not believe in vain. And to center us, in fact, to re-center us, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, meaning this is primary. This is what I want you to get and remember and hold on to. Of first importance is that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. 
that Christ was dead and he rose again. This is the good news. And this is meant to be good news for all people from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. This is good news of the forgiveness of sins. And as, the, as this chapter 15 progresses, that, that the implications are that death, which had dominion over all, that death gets the final word, the final say, the final victory, but no more. Because it is good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that the death and sin no longer have the final word. That the ripple effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ covers over death itself. Now, we still die, but we don't think of that as permanent. And that's why later in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul speaks of those whom Jesus appeared to, that some are still living, though some have fallen asleep. They didn't think that they were just unconscious. They knew that their bodies had died, that their hearts were no longer beating, their brains were no longer working. But they call it falling asleep as a euphemism for death because it's no longer permanent. It's not their eternal state. They have fallen asleep just as when you fall asleep and you wake up once more. So it is that those who died before Christ's return, those who have passed away in our time, it is as if they have fallen asleep. And when they wake, we will all wake together at the second coming of Christ and the fullness of resurrection. That's why we can say they've fallen asleep. Just as Jesus once said, the child is only sleeping. The good news is over death, is over sin, is over shortcoming and failure and shame. And this is good news for all people. The gospel, does not, the gospel does not make victors of some and slaves of others. The gospel frees all people from fear of death, frees all people of sin. And this is what the Apostle Paul wants to remind us of, of is that we, as we live out in time and space this, this ripple effect of the resurrection to not forget what started it all. And to align all of our efforts to, to share and live into the good news and to live out of hope in our risen Savior, to do all of this and the measuring point of if we're doing it right or not is to remember to trace ourselves back to that first starting point, that resurrection effect that we today live out part of that ripple effect here at North Holland. Years, centuries later, thousands of miles away, we live out that ripple effect of Christ's death and resurrection. And so it doesn't mean that we always get it right. It doesn't mean that we don't stumble and fall. It doesn't mean that through seasons of the church, we haven't always made it everything that it needs to be. And that's why we need texts like 1 Corinthians 15, coming towards the end of a whole book, to remind us of the focal point. Just as we sang, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you, Jesus. As we consider how we live out the life of the church, we do so by coming back to the rock, 
who is Jesus Christ, and remember the event that started it all. There's lots to be figured out. There's lots to celebrate as well. And that we get to continue to live that out. And the early church had to figure this out. That's why we have so many letters in the New Testament. Because our, our ancestors in the faith were also trying to decide and figure out and discern what did it look like and mean to live out of gospel hope. In the book of Acts already, they were trying to figure out, they, they understood that Jesus died for all people, even including the Gentiles. And for a while, that meant that, well, would Gentiles also have to follow, follow Jewish law or not? The early church decided no, which is good news for us, since I think we do wear clothing made of more than two kinds of fabric, which is against law. And, I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to give up bacon or brats for religious reasons either. I'm really glad that we can eat pork, which we could not do under Jewish law. Maybe you could give it up for Lent, but it wouldn't be my first choice. The early church was figuring out how to live into and live out of the gospel hope, centering us back to the resurrection. And this is what was received and passed on as of first importance that Christ died, and that Christ rose again. What does that mean for us, how we live with one another? There's different ways in which the church has expressed this over time. And sometimes we hear things that we don't think fit with what we're trying to do. We might hear about a tension between social justice and evangelism, as if the two are separated. That part of what we live out is that Jesus died for all people who are created in the image of God. Therefore, issues of justice matter to the church. It's why we go to places like Juarez, Mexico to build housing. It's why we partner with places like Mission E4 in Haiti to give people dignity and hope. This is living out of the gospel as well. This is the sharing of good news that good news goes into all of our lives, that we live out the implications of the gospel to every facet of the human condition. Forgiveness of sins according to the scriptures, as Paul puts it, and then asking, and what else does this mean for how we treat one another, what we do, what our efforts are, all the way back from medical missions in the RCA history to addressing human trafficking today. We live out all of this in the ripple effect of knowing that Christ died for us, that we live as forgiven people, and that that means that the world is our mission field from next door to the next continent over. This should mean something and change something within us. And it is something that is passed down to us, though Paul speaks of one abnormally born because he wasn't a witness to the resurrection. He wasn't a witness to Jesus in the first 33 years of his life. But Jesus appeared to him later. He was one abnormally born, as Paul puts it. But he still received and then continues to pass on the good news. We do this, too, in all kinds of ways, not only as Christians, but as people living in a world that has events, that has history, what's next weekend? Memorial Day weekend. 
Memorial Day weekend for remembering those who have given their lives in military service. The cohort of people who were alive during World War II shrinks every year, certainly less than half of us in this room. And yet we still live in remembrance of an event even if we weren't alive for it because what it means is passed down. In the same way, except over a longer period of history, we're reckoning back every Easter Sunday and every Easter tide to the first resurrection of Jesus Christ when he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul says that he is the least of the apostles because he persecuted the church of God. That one of our most revered early missionaries in the church started out by getting it horribly wrong. And yet verse 10, verse 10 says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Of first importance was that Christ died according to the scriptures. And by that grace by which Jesus died for us, by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is different than just saying, I am who I am, take it or leave it. This is different than living an unexamined life where how you interact with people or even your most toxic traits or how you hurt people or how you're careless goes unexamined. This is not, I am who I am, whatever. This is, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace was not without effect on me that we should be able to observe in our lives how we live, in our hearts, how we think that his grace had an effect on us, that that ripple effect has changed us and moved us in some way, and then it continues to do so. That we don't just get to say, I am who I am, but that we should be able to focus on Christ at the heart of worship and say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You wouldn't say certain things come about from the grace of God. By the grace of God, I'm a rude person. By the grace of God, I don't care for my neighbor. No, by the grace of God, we learn to love like Jesus loved because Jesus first loved us. By the grace of God, I am what I am might mean growth. It might mean change. It might mean learning something new. By the grace of God, I am what I am. I might have encountered fears that I have conquered. It might have been shame that I've let go of. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That it is good news that I am free from sin, that I am free from death, that I am free from the grave because of the event that started the resurrection ripple effect which is the death and rising again of Jesus Christ. If I could assign you any piece of homework, I would assign you to say those words, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and then either say aloud or write three things, three things that are true about you because of the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And I am fill-in-the-blank. No quiz, no homework. We won't make people come up front and share what they came up with because as a congregation, there's a lot of resistance to coming up front. 
But maybe there's a lesson there. By the grace of God, I'm afraid of public speaking, but I found my way up there. Missionary journeys of not wanting to go anywhere or leave the safety and comfort of home. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Friends, by the grace of God, we are what we are. We are teachers and helpers. We are members of this church. We are contributors to the life and community of North Holland Reformed Church. May that be born out of not some altered ripple effect, but may it be born out of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. May that be the ripple effect that changes us so that we too can say that of first importance is this, that Christ died for our sins and rose again according to the Scriptures, and that by the grace of God upon the cross and in the empty grave, by that grace of God, I am what I am. What does that make you? And what does that make us? Let's pray. God, by your grace, we are what we are. May that continue to be a living hope. May the living hope of your Holy Spirit within us continue to change us, to chip away that which is sin and death within our hearts and to give way for new life. May you, our living hope, dwell within us by your Holy Spirit that we continue to grow into your likeness, that we grow in our courage, that we grow in our love, that we grow in our faithfulness, and that we can trace all of this back, everything that changes about us, every, every growth, every stage of maturity, that we can trace this back to your grace, your resurrection, your forgiveness of our sins being the event that is the ripple effect within our souls and within our church. Let this be of first importance for us, both now and forever. Amen.